Okay. Um, right. I guess we're recording. So I will lead us in. Um, Tom's face has already got a sort of like, I'm recording face. <laughs> he looks scared. <laughs> Don't be scared, Tom. I'm ever so nervous. <laughs> I think it's because, do you, know, do you know why I think I'm nervous? I think it's because I'm a returning star. You are. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes there's more pressure the second mm-hmm. time. Yep. You know, you've proved yourself once. Yep. I know that I was a hit and a hoot, and I just need to <laughs> rediscover some of that magic. You so, need yeah, to fill your own very large shoes. So. Yeah, I know, these size tens. Yeah. I mean, um, so. listen, welcome to Plot Holes. This is the monthly podcast where we mock films by synopsis. I am Megan Eaves. <laughs> I'm thinking about the last time that I introduced this and called myself your co-host, and then Joe is my co-host. But anyway, okay, um, I'm uh, Megan Eaves. This is my co-host Joe Revel, and we are so happy to have our (laughs) returning star, (laughs) Mr. Tom Stainer, with us again. Hello. And we had you on before. What what um, did we talk about? Which films did we do that time? So last time we talked. How could I forget? (laughs) Last time we talked about a view to a kill, Mm. um, James Bond classic, a view to a kill, and we also did. Another film that I believe was called Tremors. Is that right, Joe? It is correct. Well done. Points to you. Um, Can you remember what the theme was? The theme was geology. Very good. That's right. Very good. Points. That was was a a great episode and a great, yeah, that that was so much fun. Megan, I feel like you didn't enjoy either of those films Uh, much. I mean, no, I I really like Tremors. I really don't care for James Bond. (laughs) I actually found Tremors. I know that... Did you find it difficult? Yeah, very, yeah, I find it very forgettable, if I'm being honest. But <laughs> it's easy to be rude about the film that you didn't pick, isn't it? But indeed, well, one even... of these films has a link to uh, *A View to a Kill*. Actually, of in course. terms of location. Oh. Okay, we might need to get there. So, okay, yeah. let, 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 let's it? just talk about the theme. I'll, I'll introduce the theme. Jo, or Joe, do you want to introduce the theme? Yes, so our theme is Working Girls of the 1980s, which yeah. could actually be sort of tightened. I think. You I mean, say... I was gonna, I was gonna say Working Women. Working Women. Sorry, one yes. of the film's names is obviously that, so we don't want to like no, yeah. bias it in any wrong. way. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's there in the name of the WhatsApp group. It's called Eighties Working Women. <laughs> Why didn't you ask me to introduce the thing? It's a great question, Tom. I, I mean, it was a mistake, and I, I you know, <laughs> this could be the moment your second episode when you become the new host. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's being faced out. And this is cutthroat, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah, so 1980s working women, but it could be tightened to 1980s working women deal with plagiarism, stealing oh. ideas. Oh, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, it's there, there, that is a, that's an underlying part of this theme, though, isn't it? Because it's all about like women kind of struggling in the workplace to kind of get their place. And having Indeed. their ideas stolen, which is, um, yeah, runs throughout both of these films. So we're doing Working Girls. Working Girl. And the reason we're doing Working Girls is because... Working it's Girl. A working Girl. Oh, you guys. <laughs> Megan. That's even worse than Joe. I already had a glass of wine before we started. <laughs> Leave me alone. Um, working Working, working Girl good. was your suggestion, Tom. It was. Many a moon ago. Many a moon. And, and why was it, was that the film you've seen the most number of times or is it your favourite film? 
being honest, I think it's a bit of both. There can't be many films that I've seen more often than Working Girl. Um, but it is also one of my favourite films, I have to say. And each each time is as magical as the last, you know? Um, <laughs> I, this I understand, because I'd seen it before, but not for a long time. And yeah. Um, it, it was a bit of a family favourite, which I think is also the reason I chose A View to a Kill last time. So that, A View to a Kill is one of my brother's favourite films. But this film is a film I identify with my mum and my sister, because I used to watch it with them and we all loved it. Yeah, that um, says a lot about you, Tom. That your films—they always have a family, family resonance. Yeah, that's just true. you're a nice family man. Well, Joe, I'm, I like to think I'm extremely family oriented, and what better way to express that than through the medium of eighties movies? <laughs> well, true, quite Very true. true. Yeah, I mean, okay, so we're doing Working Girl, singular, <laughs> and um, the second film we'll talk about is Nine to Five, which is Dolly Parton and uh, Jane Fonda, and it's amazing as well. Um, For a frightening moment, I thought you were going to say Nine from Five and get it wrong again. <laughs> I could have done that. That, that might have happened. I mean, it, easily you know, done. It could still happen. We will see. Um, anything can happen tonight. I don't know. Shall I read the IMDb? Yes, please. So we're going to talk about Working Girl first. Yeah. And uh, yes, please. So 1988, the year of my birth, just putting out there. Um, I did twig that and I was going to talk about it. Yeah. When a secretary's idea is stolen by her boss, she seizes an opportunity to steal it back by pretending she has her boss's job. I just feel like that does not capture what goes on in this movie. I mean, it it captures one element of the storyline, but it really is not the full thing at all. Mm. Yeah. Um, so this is Melanie Griffith, Harrison Ford, Sigourney Weaver, Alec Baldwin. I mean, it goes on and on. Joan Cusack, Oliver Platt. Oliver Platt, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Spacey Kevin at one Spacey. point. Playing oh, a real yeah. creep, which, I mean, since he's been cancelled, breaking my heart. Um, he kind of... A bit dis- of shadowing there. Foreshadowing. Yeah, foreshadowing on him. Please don't forget David Duchovny. Wait, and- what? <laughs> David Duchovny and Ricky Lake. One of my favourite characters. In it. <laughs> How did you not notice Ricky both Lake? Of those. <laughs> um, yeah. Where is David Duchovny, please? David Duchovny's I need the boyfriend. To it. He looks nothing like David Duchovny from X Files. No, the boyfriend's Alec Baldwin. Sorry, yeah. no. Who's the guy reading Motor Trends? Is that Alec Baldwin? Oh, um, yeah. Motor- yeah. God, we're all well, so no, 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 no. the boyfriend of. Um, Melanie Griffith, right? Not Harrison Ford and not Alec Baldwin is Sigourney Weaver's <laughs> Sigourney Weaver's boyfriend, right? No. No, that's Alec Duchovny. Did you guys watch this film? <laughs> Alec Baldwin is Melanie Griffith's no good boyfriend, Mick. Right. Who has sex, the affair? Who has the affair with Dorian DeMucci? Right, 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 right. So, who, wait, hang on. You, David Duchovny threw me all off. Where is David Duchovny? It's really Duchovny? just a cameo. He's there. You know when they throw a surprise party for Tess near the start? She gets back. He's there. And then I also think he crops up later on. He's either at... Um, I, th- I think he appears at um, the wedding that uh, they crash to try and get an audience oh, yeah, that was with, um, <laughs> with, with the, like, you Oh my God, you really know this movie well. Um, we'll do you know it reasonably well. Here at work. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So I completely missed David Duchovny, and I'm sad because oh, I, I shouldn't have mentioned it. I don't know why I've let us waste three minutes on David Duchovny. He's barely in. There it. is no such thing as wasting any minutes on David. He that is not a waste. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I love him. I mean, Ricky Lake's cameo is actually better because she gets to say the name Bitsy, so that's quite fun. <laughs> Does Do Ricky Lake have a perm? Everyone else seems to have a perm in the film. There's so many perms. So There's a many lot of teasing pads, going on. Lots yeah. of tennis shoes. It's just so 80s. That's it part is. of the charm, isn't it? It's pure. This was 1988, <laughs> right? You said, Joe? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it is like extra on the 80s. Extra. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Tom, do you want to tell us, like, in your words, what this movie is about? Like, can you synopsize it in, like, a few, you know, just, like, shortly? What what happens? Oh, God. But, I mean, for someone who <laughs> purports to know the plot inside out. <laughs> yeah, this so, is why we have you on the podcast. Just, I feel so just phrases like spot. purports. <laughs> so, like, basically, Melanie Griffith is kind of, like, she's working class, pretty yeah. much right she's and she's, Island. she's yeah so she's definitely not from um, money or anything and sh- she is a secretary in a yeah. in kind of what seems like a sort of financial company mm-hmm. isn't it yeah. called um what's the what's the company called it's called is it this Mar- one? marsh penny penny marsh something <laughs> is it is it I- I noted the company name in the other film, but... Yes. Okay, that's the funnier. Yeah, the company name name in the other film. Uh, I'm not sure that they really linger on the company name in this one, but I did write and note that basically this is set inside the Twin Towers, right? Like, that office is in the Twin Towers, and they show... They don't really show the Twin Towers explicitly in any scene, but you can kind of tell based on, like, the corner office that Mm -hmm. Sigourney Weaver... So Sigourney Weaver is Melanie Griffith's, like, high-powered boss. Yeah. And she she has a corner office, which looks out over the end of Manhattan, so it's got to be in the Twin Towers. I can't imagine where else it would be in 1988, right? And the, the lobby scenes were filmed in the World Trade Center. Were they? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's quite a like the, a moment the in lobby time. Scene. <laughs> oh, sorry. Is lobby not the right word? What, I was That's right. to, what, what is that? That's right. That's right. Yes, yeah, lobby. I just the, like the, the idea of the idea atrium. of the lobby scenes. <laughs> yeah, those all those memorable lobby scenes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Were there a lot of lobby scenes? There was, there was a lot there of lift elevator scenes. Lots yes. of elevator pictures. Yeah, there were. And in fact, I had I noted something down about this and I wanted to ask you guys. I know it's a little bit like um, uh, minute, but at one point it's Sigourney Weaver's like saying get to, to like telling the guy that they're trying to convince to I don't know, invest, yeah, to get in the lift with her. But she says, get on the lift. And I was wondering if what you say in your version of English, do you say get in the lift or get on the lift, get in the elevator or on the elevator? We'd say in, wouldn't we? We would say in, I think. Me too. So I don't know where this weird fucking 1988 Manhattanite version of get on the elevator comes from, but it's... (laughs) creeping me out and it reminds me of how here in this country people say or the the announcer says on the train station i was just about to say on the station fuck is that on the station it's wrong no one says on the station joe can you never mind (laughs) (laughs) 
plot hole, <laughs> yeah. plot hole preposition. Yes, it is. <laughs> anyway, sorry, that was a little rant. Um, basically, we haven't quite gotten to what the plot of this is. So I know I've absolutely failed here, haven't I? So Tess, uh, so Melanie Griffith plays Tess, who's a working class secretary um, who gets a new job working for uh, Catherine, who's played by Sigourney Weaver, um, who's very high powered and obviously from quite a privileged background. Um, So Tess has um, a business brainwave and presents it to Catherine. That's exactly what she has. <laughs> um, Catherine says, nice try, but it's not a hit. Then Catherine goes off um, on uh, a skiing trip, which seems to be in Germany, yes. interestingly. She speaks German, and there's a lot of, like, German ski branding going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you mm. noticed all of the, like... She speaks German, but ends a German conversation with Chow. <laughs> well maybe she was calling switzerland because they speak oh. all of those languages there you're absolutely right tom i take I that back mean. Yeah. he's seen this a lot of times joe let's mm. not like a question the prowess going on anyway while Catherine's in um on her skiing trip she has an unfortunate accident breaks her leg so she asks tess to cover for her um, so Tess is in Catherine's apartment and finds out that Catherine has stolen her big business idea. Um, so Tess decides to steal the idea back and she presents it to um, Harrison Ford's character, Jack Trainer, Who's like another investor or banker or something, yes, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he works for a different firm. And um, the film continues with... Um, Tess and Jack um, taking this business idea forward. And in the meantime, they also become romantically entangled. Tess seems to move into <laughs> Catherine's apartment. I um, didn't understand why, but... <laughs> wears all of her clothes. Um, and then uh, ultimately Catherine returns and sparks fly. I mean, I've missed Very out some. good synopsis. I've missed out some yeah. quite. Um, I've missed out some important points there. No, but is, that's those are the main things. Can we talk about the on. idea that is stolen? Please, let's talk about the idea because it's a humdinger. <laughs> it's what a did humdinger. you guys? <laughs> my 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 mum and I like to discuss this this business idea because. <laughs> Neither of us would claim to be, to be business brains, but we're quite staggered at how <laughs> underwhelming the business idea is. What do you guys think? I thought the same, Tom. I'm not a businessman either, but yeah. Uh, trying to get a company who's interested in investing in TV and getting them to invest in radio instead seems... <laughs> so seems weird. Seems a bit odd. It's so laughable, isn't it? <laughs> That's like, oh, hey, you have like a really, really successful social media enterprise. Do you want to run a newspaper? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like, I also, there's a bit where um, Tess is, when she's initially pitching this idea to Jack and Jack's colleague, and Jack's colleague says, oh, no, this isn't, you know, buying a radio station, that's not going to work. And Tess says, oh, I've already thought of that. I don't just mean a radio station. I mean a whole radio network. <laughs> So, right. So it's going to be like the, the yeah. The, just, you know, a handful of stations. So 
So Tess is always one step ahead, you know? Well, yeah. and I really enjoyed at the towards the end of the film where she kind of reveals in the elevator scene where she reveals like what her thought process was behind. And this was how they proved that it was her idea and not Sigourney Weaver's idea, right? It's because mm-hmm. she had the, the background about where her idea came from. But it was this whole convoluted thing where she saw like the businessman's daughter on page three of some paper and then her eye floated to some other side of the paper and then there was a radio connection and then she just thought oh he's interested in radio i was like what well as we know tess reads a lot of things you know she She does you never know you never know where the next big idea is going to come from (laughs) and i think we could all learn a lot from that mantra it's true she's very open she's so open (laughs) she is you know i really enjoy her character though like Mm. i just like that i mean she she does a lot of things that are kind of questionable but you just like her because she's got a you know she's she's that that character arc that you can really identify with because at the beginning she's really insecure and it turns out that Sigourney Weaver, her new boss is like younger than she is. And she's Mm. just like the whole thing. She's just as a woman, she's feeling like in, you know, she's not, she doesn't have the like training or background Mm -hmm. that some of the other women do. And she's just trying so hard to get any good job and keep it. And, um, and, she her boss gives her the it's Sigourney Weaver that tells her you know you've got to take your opportunities and like it's businesses I don't I can't I forget the quote but she basically kind of encourages her to be a bit of a bastard and Mm -hmm. to sort of be a bit ruthless and so she does she just kind of follows her boss's advice and um but actually yeah it's it pays off for her and I kind of don't mind that I like that I like the arc for her that she goes through that whole process um it's interesting the end of it though like where she gets her job mm-hmm. because she was a bit ballsy and a bit cheeky and um then the radio guy whatever he is whoever he is the tv radio guy he gives her a job at, at his company and it it's like the whole point is like she's made it because she's got an office and a secretary and she assumes the secretary is her boss but she's mm-hmm. actually her boss and then she arrives in her office and it's like okay that's it and she doesn't actually have any work she's got like a meeting schedule yeah and i was lunch. gonna say how does she know what the meeting's about what's the she job what is the what job, the job <laughs> what's the job <laughs> Uh, anyway yeah but I I do like the character arc and I think the whole point of what we're talking about with this theme is about women in that era and even now you know trying to make their way up through a system that is inherently designed not to see or reward them based on their gender and Mm. um so like I, I mean Sigourney Weaver kind of becomes a bit of a caricature because she has the skiing accident and then she becomes a bit nuts um, you know, it turns out she's kind of almost stalking Harrison Ford. Like they're actually involved, so it's like, um, oh yeah, Tess kind of steals that. her boss's whole life. She mm-hmm. steals her, like you said, she's in her apartment wearing all her clothes, but she also gets involved with Harrison Ford, who it turns out Sigourney Weaver had been involved with. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's- you know, I think we're asked to feel a lot of support for Tess, aren't we? But actually. Tess is pretty badly behaved in this film. Mm. I mean, 
I mean, she's desperate, you know, she's in a dead end relationship. She doesn't have any opportunity in her life where we don't really have much background on Sigourney Weaver. I forget her character's name. I should probably have written that down. Catherine. Catherine. Catherine Parker. Very good. (laughs) She's 30. She doesn't look 30. 30. She does. No. I think Sigourney Um, Weaver was well over 30 when this was made. That's a good question. I didn't look it up. But I think like we're we're kind of yeah I, we don't give get much background on her. How does she get to where she is? What's her education? What's her family yeah. background? Is she privileged? I mean, they're all white women, so you know there's a, an element of it that we can't even talk about um, still. But um, yeah, it's just an, a really interesting like you know Melanie Griffith has to do what she has to do to kind of make her way up, and that's the only way that she can climb and get seen is to to break the rules so yeah yeah i loved it i love this movie i thought it was so um layered and it was way deeper than i remembered it being i can Mm -hmm. totally understand why you watch it and enjoy it a lot tom i think it's just really funny as well i think the script is really sharp it's so good i was just gonna say there's some (laughs) great lines so many good lines. Like Sigourney Weaver at one point says, today's junior prick, tomorrow's senior partner. <laughs> yeah. like, that's so sharp. That's such a good line. Um, Joan Cusack's amazing as well, isn't she, as, as Melanie Griffith's best friend. She is she amazing. She is really good. She's, she's almost so not recognisable. Mm. Yeah. I think she's she amazing in everything. for it? Was she nominated for an Oscar? She was nominated. Both Sigourney Weaver and Joan Cusack were nominated for Best Supporting Actress. And Melanie Griffith... Well, I can't even say the name. Melanie Griffith was... That is a hard name to say, isn't it? It's a mouthful. That's not just hard for me to say. That is a difficult name. Say it three times fast. (laughs) (laughs) Had a few scrumpies by now. Um, She was nominated for Best Actress. Um, But the film only won the one Oscar. And what Oscar was that? Best Song. Best Song. And Carly it is, Simon. <laughs> it is a cracking song. Do we not agree? It's so good. Oh, yes. It's just the best opening, I think. I think it's such a yeah. strong opening sequence to a film. I just absolutely love it. It's Carly Simon and all of a sudden you're on Staten Island Ferry with all those perms. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's so no, good. No, it really brings you right into the scene and it makes you feel like you're on that commute and you're yeah. in that world immediately. Like, it's what you would be listening to if you could have been on that commute on that day. That's how you feel when you're there. You're like, yeah, I'm I'm a working girl. I'm going straight into the city from, like, my working class house. And, yeah, it's really cool. I love the... I just love the time setting of it and I love how of its time like it was really unafraid to be like mega 80s all the fashion Mm -hmm. is just so extra and the hair is big and huge and teased out and all the like you were saying tom the shoulder pads and like i think joan cusack's hair gets bigger through the film like (laughs) at the end it's so big it doesn't even almost fit on screen it's just like this wide giant extra sized i don't know like did you notice that her wedding seems to be about four days after her engagement party? Did you notice that? It was very confusing. There's quite a shaky timeline here in this film, I think. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know the scene where Catherine's looking through Tess's diary where Tess leaves her diary on Catherine's bed and Tess and Catherine rifles through it. I paused those scenes to try and find a plot hole in the chronology, but unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, it all seemed legit, so I was quite disappointed. Because I dedication was, for trying. Yeah, I, exactly. I was really trying to get into the spirit of things. But. I'm kind of imp- 
impressed. That's like pretty good, you know, prop mastering and set dressing and storylining. That's quite exactly. good. I, I and we talk just, about the apartments, just the general yes. implements that are in there. There's some very funny technology. Firstly, Sigourney Weaver's exercise bike. Oh, the it's like a something. it's like a Nordic track, isn't it? Yeah. It, what's yeah. a Nordic track? I've never even heard of that. So, <laughs> it's like a it's like a cross country ski exercise machine kind of thing. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It was very big in the sort of late eighties, early nineties America. Oh, yeah. okay. I think that's what that was. But it's like a fancy one with like wooden seat and all sorts. It's like <laughs> yeah. I also like how Harrison Ford has a spare computer <laughs> or a computer, but not a spare room. Harrison Ford's apartment is like a weird warp. Okay, so he this guy is like some high-powered banker, right? He's fucking minted. And he lives in this apartment that he's got a fucking grand piano in there. In But it doesn't have a spare room. And his bedroom has this weird little, not even quite a double bed. It's like a full bed. They don't both fit on it. And I was like... And he has a TV to the side of the bed. <laughs> Why would anyone have a TV at the side of their bed? <laughs> yeah. You, do, you, you know, it makes no sense. None of that apartment makes any sense at all. And he sleeps with a TV on. Does yeah, he? He is playing. <laughs> he's yeah. a weird man in this. I mean, he's so hot, though, right? This is Harrison Ford's, like... Peak peak era it was just after um or just after raiders of the lost ark or so just in between indiana jones films and he's just so yummy and perfect and beautiful and like he's just harrison ford at his most can we talk about the director as well mike nichols who yes uh directed another film featured on this podcast megan eves and it's interesting so he directed the graduate which i think is like high peak 60s yes he directed this which is peak 80s and he also then went on to direct primary colors which in some ways is peak 90s it really is actually he's got like one for each era what about the 70s (laughs) what happened there maybe he was just on drugs the whole 70s i was wondering about the writer of this as well so i looked up the writer and his name is kevin wade and he just like there's nothing he didn't do much else of note that i could see and i didn't see like this is a real feminist film like this Mm -hmm. film is really switched on about women and i didn't it just didn't register with me how a man a probably presumably a white man but it doesn't really matter like what how how does this guy a straight white married guy just like write this movie and then do nothing else i mean it's just he's a mystery to me i don't know if you guys dug up anything else about him but i just no so he wrote nothing else i mean there are a few other things but nothing where it was like okay this guy clearly has like a trajectory about you know yeah something he wants to talk about it was just like this and that was mainly it and i was like wow it's just so random and cool but like where does it come from who is he what's Can his I ask story as well is this where the elevator pitch comes from this it's a great thing. question i think it's probably related i don't think it's like coined from working girl but yeah i think that's the idea yeah yeah it's like the pitch that you can do in the time that it takes to take a lift yeah, yeah. also plot hole um sigourney weaver's elevator um she gets in the elevator goes up jack trainer or whoever comes out of the elevator and melanie griffith's elevator follows sigourney weaver's yeah she does the pitch 
And then she gets out the floor and Sigourney Weaver's elevator is behind her, even though she took off. And there's the same amount of people in Sigourney Weaver's elevator. So why is her elevator so slow? Maybe they pressed all, all the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Stopped at every single floor. That's a good plot hole. Yeah. I um yeah, I don't know. I there was some just some cool moments and funny lines like the whole relationship with Alec Baldwin between Melanie Griffith and Alec Baldwin like that's another element of her kind of coming into herself and trying to figure out what it means to be a bit more of a powerful woman but like he is such a funny character and he's really good right he's like because he's kind of trashy and you know working class New York and like just really or not even New York but like Staten Island and he's Mm -hmm. like what did he say at one point I wrote it down he was like he was excited because he'd gotten she'd got a raise and a a promotion and he was like oh I got my loan to buy a boat (laughs) or something and they were like (laughs) It was just so funny kind of watching them where he's just like this, he's staying on a course and she's really trying to rise up and you can see them splitting apart and not, and it not working out. Um, the, the best scene between those two is the, um, the engagement party scene though, where, um, where they danced to the lady in red and, um, and then, yeah. and then he proposes to her and Tess says, maybe. Yeah. And every all their friends are like watching and and kind of egging him on to do it. I don't know. Like, was, was he gonna do it? And then I don't know if he was. Yeah, it's unclear, isn't it? Really? But, um, I just love the addition of the lady in red to the soundtrack as well. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. It kind yeah. of makes it um, as eighties as possible. Yeah, definitely. Because I do. Well, I did. I did own the Working Girl soundtrack on CD. Oh my god! My mum, Alice Moore. <laughs> my mum Judith bought me the CD soundtrack. Um, not that long ago. It's definitely you know sometime this millennium. Um, okay. And I have to be honest. I don't think I ever listened to the soundtrack in full, and I feel really guilty about it. And I've since got rid of all my CDs, so I can't even get... Oh, I man. Can't even, we need to look it up. <laughs> like, what else was on well, it? Were there other 80s tunes, or was it, like, I'm so excited. I'm so excited about mm. Quick to Sisters is on Oh, it. that comes oh, on at one point, isn't it? The Lady yeah. in Red. I can't remember much else. What I can remember is that there's an instrumental track called Looking Through Catherine's House. Which <laughs> Maybe we'll um, on the tin, you know? roll out the podcast to that track yeah. if I can find it. <laughs> <laughs> Let the River Run, The Man That Got Away, The Scar by Carly Simon. Is this. I mean, a lot yeah, of the but... songs seem to be variations on the Let the River Run theme, didn't they? <laughs> You're absolutely right, Tommy. It does say track number eight, Looking Through Catherine's House. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it says that's from by Carly but Simon. That, that can't be a song. Running around, kind of like pulling dresses out of the closet and sort of is that what that scene is maybe it's a bit there's a bit where she's like cleaning in her underwear isn't there maybe there, there's yeah. also that where she's like <laughs> vacuuming and stuff she, she is in her your test is in her underwear a lot in this film isn't she she is she is yeah and in the vacuum scene she's not in all the underwear is that right <laughs> yeah oh yeah because um her <gasps> mick, mick gets her underwear for her birthday <laughs> She oh says, yes oh, some, she's like know. can i have something that i can wear out of the house sometimes it'd be nice to just get a sweater you know 
Yeah, we've all been yeah. there, haven't we? I mean, yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Another year, another another, another horrible negligee. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks to be a woman in the 1980s. Oh dear. In the track <laughs> listing, Tom, sorry, it's there's track one is Let the River Run, obviously by Carly Simon, but <laughs> number five is Let the River Run by the St. Thomas Choir of Men and Boys. <laughs> no so. way. Which I didn't know. You've got an alternate <laughs> version going at some point. Yeah. I can't believe I never listened to the CD and then threw out all my CDs. It just I wasn't for thinking. It's a crime. Me. I know. Can I also say during uh, lockdown, <laughs> I forgot because I missed going to the pub and bar so much. When Melanie Griffiths <laughs> turns up at one point in the bar, she asks for the bar staff to stow away her briefcase. And I was like, did people used to do that back in the day? <laughs> Yeah, that's that part. Oh, I don't yeah. think that's normal practice, even back so. in the eighties. No. What is that when she's at the engagement parties and she's back on? Yeah, she I think that's bartender. like yeah, that's like her local Staten Island like watering hole. You know, where maybe she yeah. knows them or something. It would like have been it's... funnier if the barman had gone through her briefcase <laughs> and then pitched an idea <laughs> to the TV network about <laughs> selling a radio. <laughs> but you know she's learned nothing about people stealing our ideas. i think you've just written the uh pilot tv series remake yeah <laughs> oh you know what apparently apparently cindy lauper was working on a stage version of no working girl yeah but i i don't think it's gonna i don't think it's gonna go anywhere oh, these rooms have been, been flying so around good. for a while now it would have been oh good. man that would have been amazing <laughs> Because was there a TV show? I think I read that on... I, I read that. And I read that. I think I read that Sandra Bullock played the test character. <laughs> no way. Is that right? Have I made that <laughs> no. up? If you haven't made that up, I know what I'm doing for the rest of the week. <laughs> I think that's great, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking that up now. I would like to know if that's Sandra Bullock. I'd like to see Cindy Lauper's interpretation of looking through Catherine's house. I yeah, I bet that'd be really good, pop. actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, in other casting news, apparently Cher auditioned to play the Sigourney Weaver character. No way. <laughs> How good so would that have been? It would have been really good, wouldn't it? But I, actually, I have to say, I think Sigourney Weaver, I love her anyway, but I think she is brilliant as Catherine. I know it is a bit of a caricature character, but I think she also has some really good lines and she's just great at playing a bitch. <laughs> I thought she was very strong. <laughs> but Cher would have been very good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you think about Cher and Moonstruck, that's like the same era and it would have been the same Cher playing it, you know, like... <laughs> Oscar-winning actress Cher. Yeah. Would have yeah. <laughs> was that the same year as this? No. Or it was the same, same, I mean... I don't know if it was 88 but it was the same kind of I think Moonstruck was maybe a year or two before wasn't it yeah okay. um, I'm going to bow down to your Oscars knowledge Jodie Foster beat um, Melanie was... Griffith to the Oscar in this particular year I believe dude for what oh, was that Silence of no, no I think it was, was The Accused oh, which no. I don't think I've seen have you guys seen that uh-uh, no. I mean, I can, we watch see it? It. can we do a theme can an we do accusation a theme, theme? <laughs> <laughs> We'll cover the accused. <laughs> I'm in for that. I'm in. And another accusation-oriented classic. Do that um, alongside 12 Angry Men or something. 
Moonstruck was 87, so very well done. And also, Working Girl is an American sitcom television series that aired on NBC from April 16th to July 30th, 1990, loosely based on the 1988 film of the same name. The series stars Sandra Bullock as Tess McGill. What the actual fuck? How has I... Like, this is like the kind of cult shit that we need to see. (laughs) How do we track this down? (laughs) <laughs> There's that not even any great. pictures of it on because it only aired for what? Okay, April three to months? July. <laughs> three months. That can't be many. <laughs> How many episodes? I can't deal with this. I don't this think that's available crazy. to stream somehow, is it? <laughs> oh my gosh! Look, they've got twelve episodes. What? And let Should the river run was also the theme song for the series. Think of the was royalties it, for Carly. This was it great. Carly's version or the St. Thomas Choir of Men and Boys <laughs> version? We'll never know. We may never know. We might never know. I hope it, it picks up the series from uh, Melanie Griffith's first meeting in a job where she is unclear what her job is or what the meeting is about. That would be really good. <laughs> Um, some of it is on YouTube, you guys. I'm, I'm really this. Yeah. Are you, Megan? I feel like you're about to cut this short. So you I'm about to sign lot. off because yeah. I am like, so, I have, thanks everyone. Ninety. I just can't. I, my mind is blown. I feel like I've entered some alternate timeline of the universe where this exists, and I just, how is this possible? Um, I'm in. Yeah. So, Tom, does all your family like this film, or is it a special sort of place for? It's mainly it's it's mainly me and the ladies in the family. I don't know. I can't really say if my brother David would have ever seen this film. I suspect he's probably never seen it, to be honest. He will be listening, by the way. So <laughs> he'll probably WhatsApp me at some point after listening to let me know whether he has or hasn't. My dad, Keith, would have definitely seen the film because yeah. whatever film Judith wants to watch, Judith is my mum, whatever film she wants to watch, Keith has to watch as well. That's the way it goes. So he'll have seen this film several times. And have you? What's the film remind us that you saw on a ferry to Calais? <laughs> I'm what not even sure. I'm, I'm not even sure I know the answer to this. Was it in, in Trapman? <laughs> it's in Trapman. That's it. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> what? So we used to go on a lot of family holidays to France. And we didn't just do, you know, your workaday Dover Calais crossing. We used to do some quite hefty crossings, um, but you know, could take upwards of six to eight hours. Wow! So the, the ferries often had a range of amenities and in-house entertainment options, and often the ferry would have a little cinema. I mean, guys, you know, let's not let's not. Pretend this is an alien concept to you guys. We've all been on a ferry together. We have. Yeah. I'm just having flashbacks of it. We've been on a ferry not... that had a Burger King. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't no. have a cinema. <laughs> didn't have a cinema, no. But our crossing, if you remember, was only about two hours, wasn't it? From no uh, yeah. Alan to Helsinki. So you can't really, you know, I mean, you can't watch many watch. You can't. Because <laughs> I'm sure in Chapman, it's probably around the two-hour mark itself, isn't it? Anyway... <laughs> Judith and I went to see... This story goes absolutely nowhere, by the way, because it's just about <laughs> Judith and I going to see Entrapment on a ferry. But, you know, enjoyable film, three out of five. Great film. Yeah, I don't I like think it's it great. Happen. It's not great, is it? It's, it's good it's enough. It's probably not great, no. <laughs> it's, you know, it's got some quite... Like, you know, it's very it's very memorable, though, isn't it? You know, that um, that kind of laser scene. I mean, yeah. that's, uh, that's, that's a classic, Zeta. isn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty iconic in some bad sort of way. (laughs) It's sort of how did this movie get made kind of way. (laughs) How is the screen on a ferry? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a 1999 caper film. I love a caper. caper (laughs) Entrapment. Yeah, it probably was. I think it was in 1999 that we went to see it. Mm Mm-hmm. Great times. Mm. Wow. <laughs> right. We're going to take a break and uh, we will be back in a short moment with um, our second film, which is Nine to Five. So we're back and we're going to talk about Nine to Five, which is. 1980, starring Jane Fonda, Dolly Parton, and Lily Tomlin. The mighty Lily Tomlin. Yeah. Isn't she great? Yeah. She's amazing. So good. So, <clears throat> 1980, this is from, so eight years prior. Three female employees of a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot find a way to turn the tables on him. Wow, I wish... Is that I the whole thing? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they wasted half that synopsis with adjectives about um, <laughs> about the, the, boss. the the patriarchy. It's just <laughs> like you're just feeding into it. Yeah. Um, yes, I mean, there's so so much more goes on than just that. There's nothing about the morgue. Nothing about there's them. nothing about like yeah. There's a lot that happens that isn't encapsulated in that short synopsis. I don't really even know say, how I've to... never. I've never seen this film before and I no? actually really loved it. <laughs> loved it, loved it, loved it. I thought it was brilliant. I laughed loads. And not in an ironical way. It is funny. It is yeah. funny. I'd never seen it before either. And I had no it wasn't at all what I expected. I no. didn't I didn't know that it was this kind of out and out kind of screwball comedy kind of caper. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of screwball. <laughs> Good use of caper there. Caper, yeah. Um, another caper. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of a dark caper, though. Mm. It has this whole dark element that I've forgotten about because I had seen it. Um, but my word, it <laughs> definitely takes a like a sort of a turn at one point. It's like, what the hell? Um, basically, I don't know, like how to describe what happens in this movie. Essentially, we start on the first day of Jane Fonda at work at this company. And it's a company with a whole hell of a bunch of secretaries. I mean, it's 1980, so it was, Mm -hmm. like, just at the dawn of, like, when, you know, the companies might have had lots of women doing secretarial work, I suppose. But Jane Fonda is, like, arriving, and she gets introduced to the company by Lily Tomlin, Mm -hmm. who kind of becomes one of her good friends. And then there's also Dolly Parton, who's the secretary of the main boss. And she's kind of this pariah because she's southern and she has big boobs and they all assume that she's fucking the boss right Mm -hmm. um and anyway at some point they all kind of gang up together and he it turns out that he's a real jackass and he's like Mm -hmm. he but he's stolen one of their ideas right what was the so there's a point at which he 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 steals oh yes it's the idea is like so ludicrous the color code the color coding of the files like and he's there's a which will save 20 percent in efficiencies i mean how do you measure that what does this company do where the like senior most senior director 
his biggest idea that he's going to pitch to the CEO <laughs> is to color code the files, which he stole from his secretary. <laughs> it's interesting that in both of the films we've watched, the screenwriter struggled to come up with a vaguely plausible business idea, isn't it? Well, that a woman could have come up with. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> um because of women's roles, they didn't do much. So the idea that a man would have stolen a woman's idea was kind of ludicrous because what did they do? Not much. Mm. Can um, we talk about the company name? Oh, please. Because I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I don't, did you notice this, Tom? No, what's the company name? I it's called to? Consolidated Companies, Inc. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's funny. But it's okay. What does, what does this company do? Did you get any clues? Because I have one clue. At one oh. point, they're talking on the phone, and she's talking about roots. Yes. Yeah, right? right. Like I, he's out on a route, or that we don't do that route, or something. So I don't know if they do like deliveries or what they do. It's very unclear. Very unclear. Yeah, it's it's all just like a ton of women in this open plan office that are all typists, basically. Mm-hmm. And Lily like. Tomlin is a supervisor, but crucially, not a manager. I don't really know what that means. What is the difference? Yeah. Living, this is 1980. I mean, the thing that I felt like about this is that it felt like sort of 1970 or 1960. Um except for it was the 80s. And I just, that was still how it was in the early yeah. 80s for, mm-hmm. for office spaces. It was really backward. It amazes I mean, me. Jane Fonda's bonnet that she walked in <laughs> on her first day. It could be the 1880s. It's a very <laughs> odd, odd choice of clothes. It's so true. Jane Fonda and the whole thing. I, do you know what? She looks she, like she's going to a county fair. She in. really does. <laughs> <laughs> so part of the thing is her character right is um she really does her character is just coming out of a divorce so she's got to go back to work you know and it, i i love this storyline because at that time you know it would have been a thing that probably wasn't being talked about very much or dealt with in media that much which is really cool and uh but like her character is really demure and shy and insecure and she kind of finds herself through the movie but yeah. um yeah her clothing choices are very much this like housewife unsure of what to do or what to wear but all of them make weird clothing choices like lily tomlin at one point or actually through the whole movie she almost doesn't take it off she's wearing this sort of weird kaftan cover jacket thing that has all these chinese characters on it <laughs> Have you noticed that? Were you able to decipher yeah, it? Yeah, I did. I did. Does yeah. it say consolidated it, company? <laughs> <laughs> it says fuck the boss. Um, no, it's it just like says like good fortune or whatever. But um, so did you know? So Dolly Parton did the soundtrack or a, a good chunk of the soundtrack for this. This was her breakout role as an actress. Um, I love Dolly Parton. She's great. Who doesn't know? Have you met anyone that doesn't? That's true. It's tough not to like. She's a a queen. I think he kind of, well, when I was like a teenager and stuff, Dolly Parton was like a ha ha ha, Dolly Parton rubbish. It's kind of an ironical thing that you like Dolly Parton. Yeah, she went through a period where her image was very much this sort of um, cartoonish, big boobed bimbo. Um, but yeah, she, and, and obviously like this role even kind of plays into that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but she, yeah, this was her breakout role and she did the soundtrack and apparently in the, the theme tune, which she wrote, which is called nine to five, it's written for this. There's um like sound effects and she actually used her nails and um, made the sound effects of like a nails on a typewriter to do some of the, mm-hmm. um, yeah, some of the sound effects in the song. She's so method. I love it. I know. That's our jolly. She's like pure in the moment. (laughs) Do you know what? The only other film I've seen her in, I think, is Steel Magnolias. Oh, I love Steel Magnolias. Which I watched only a few months ago, and I'm not really sure I've seen any other Dolly Parton films, you know. So the next one you should watch is called Straight Talk. And okay. it's, it's so, I mean, it's like, it's a sort of next follow on after this. And yeah. she plays this woman. It reminds me, Joe, of that um, BBC meme that we love about the taxi driver who accidentally gets put on the news. <laughs> it's like an w- expert witness, but she <laughs> accidentally gets put on the air on a, in a radio show giving, uh, it, they mistake her for the advice um, host, the new newly hired like relationship advice host. And she goes on and she turns out to be really good. <laughs> um it's so cute and it's like early you know 1990-ish or early 90s is so great but it's it's her playing her you know but it's just she's so brilliant on screen I love watching her she's just full of life and energy and beauty and yeah she's great and positivity and just niceness you know yeah yeah so can we talk about the kind of crux of the plot crux of this which is (laughs) the reason why all of the bad things or the things that go wrong go wrong. So the boss steals the idea and they're all pissed off at him, but they don't actually intend to like do anything really, but they accidentally do. So Lily Tomlin is going out and there's a thing where they are throughout the film. They're like using this sweetener in the coffees that's called, I forget what it's called. I wrote it down skinny and sweet Mm -hmm. and it comes in this bright yellow box. And um, so they're using that and they're putting it in the coffees. And then it turns out that um, Lily Tomlin has rats at her house. So she goes out on her lunch break and she buys this rat poison (laughs) called rid a rat. (laughs) And she mixes the boxes up. Because she's bought another box of the skinny and sweet and some rat poison. And she mixes the boxes up and accidentally poisons or thinks she poisons her boss, the asshole. So that begins the caper where they like have to chase down the hospital and then they steal a body from the morgue, which they think is their boss. But it turns out it's some other guy (laughs) and they're like driving it around at night and a whole And then they trap him in hostage and in bondage. Oh yeah, there was a whole bondage thing. (laughs) It's actually quite a long film. Like there was a point at which I was like, wow, I thought this was going to be over my Exactly, yeah. Oh, God. Can we talk as well? I don't know if you notice another great business um, or sort of location. So, the link to A View to Kill is this is partly filmed in San Francisco, as we know. Well, it's Stacey, the geologist, although it's set in LA, I think. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, I can only. Didn't dawn on me. All the opening scenes are shot in San Francisco, but it's actually set in LA. Yeah. And there's a moment when they go to the morgue and the morgue is called the Ambrose Memorial Centre. So, of course, I tried to look it up to see if such a place exists. And the closest I could get was the Ambrose King Sexual Health Clinic in Whitechapel. 
Oh, I've been go. there. <laughs> <laughs> I go bold that at you. <laughs> <laughs> It's not my favourite, though. <laughs> no. I'm hoping to never go back. It's just not convenient for me anymore. <laughs> no. It's so far east. <laughs> oh. there's, a, there's a moment when they're whizzing by an ambulance that I thought I saw a glance of the other iconic San Francisco business, the um, Nippon Spa Relaxation Centre. Oh, yes! <laughs> just, oh just there, but I don't think it was in the end, unfortunately. Is that the link? <laughs> yeah, that's the link. So it's a so tentative is, link. Yeah, this is so transparent. <laughs> any, any, anything to be able to mention the Nippon Spa Relaxation Centre. Well, that was true, no. <laughs> Which I think we should explain is uh, one of the key scenes in A View to a Kill. Yeah. Which we discussed last time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Please go and find our episode on geography, <laughs> geology to hear more yeah. um <laughs> that is a great that is a great uh i wish that were a real connection it's too bad joe yeah it's, it's a connection it's, in your mind which i think is yeah, it's all right. it's all almost right. as good yeah i don't know what to say like this movie just is so funny and like the three women are so iconic and so good together and they've got great chemistry and I think the bondage, like when the guy is, um, the boss is like, they've held him hostage. That part gets a little bit like, whoa, to me. <laughs> there was like a lot of that. And I was kind of like, and if, like he eventually kind of like cuts himself free. But they yeah. actually, I mean, when we're saying bondage, that's literal. They yeah. actually went to a sex shop and bought bondage <laughs> gear to like tie him up with, which I just didn't understand. Like, why can you not just get normal? I don't know. Like ropes i don't i don't really know like what is this but they've got him tied up on like a sex swing or something it's so weird like um was it just me or were you guys wondering what his um toilet and like washing arrangements would be during that time very good that cross your mind confusing because like there was he's on this kind of like retractable sort of string (laughs) mechanism right Mm mm-hmm I don't know, maybe there was a bathroom within reach of that? Yeah, or it a didn't bucket. seem like... Ooh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> who lives with him? Someone lives with him, doesn't what? they? What was that? Yeah, uh, the Jane Fonda character, Jane Fonda. Judy. <laughs> she she did the night shifts, didn't she? And I thought this was really <laughs> unfair. Yeah. The others just did a few hours during the day. Yeah. <laughs> Judy's got to be there every night. night with him. That <laughs> portable scene... <laughs> I thought that that just doesn't seem right to me. You'd no, take it in terms, wouldn't you? You would. <laughs> and she's got her creepy ex-husband like coming and knocking on the side door in the yeah, middle of the night. She Ooh. had all sorts of things going on. Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah, it wasn't she had good a bonnet. <laughs> she had the country fair she to did. get to as well. But I felt like that whole scene with him kind of in like being held hostage in a bondage situation was there was something about it that in my mind led in this rabbit hole to kind of Clark Griswold Christmas vacation you know the very end scene when his boss and the cousin Eddie takes his boss hostage and brings him back to the house and he's got them all tied up with a bow it felt like those were somehow interconnected I don't know yeah. like that's going to become that at some point <laughs> Uh, this film features on in a presidential diary. I don't know if you knew this. What do you on, mean? On Valentine's Day, nineteen eighty-one, Ronald Reagan <laughs> wrote in his diary that he watched nine to five. Wait, he said 
the Ronald Reagan, <laughs> the president. <laughs> and he wrote, funny, but one scene made me mad. And he didn't like the scene about the pot, but everything else he thought was very funny. Oh, we need Why to talk about the like pot scene. Because wow, he's Ronald he's, Reagan. He's a... <laughs> Yeah. He didn't like pot. Um, but <laughs> He's the, the one that instigated the funny. fucking war on drugs. <laughs> yeah. After seeing this film. Presumably. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Can you imagine? What if it was? Yeah, <laughs> that would like, be good. That nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the munchies scene, the pot scene is very funny. The munchies so are very well amazing. And that's I love so how well they're acted. eating strawberries and olives. and Yeah, really well acted. But also kind of, just really subtle. I wanted it to be that they were really high because they all seemed like they were actually really kind of smoking. Like they were so good and just like it was subtle enough that it didn't seem overacted or like caricaturish, but it was really funny, like really, really good. I loved that. Yeah, that was great. That was like when they cemented their friendship and kind of, yeah. But I think it's interesting, like 19, this was 1980, right? So we're just coming out of the 70s when drugs were ubiquitous and the 80s were when the war on drugs started. And this was like probably that last blast of when smoking pot was kind of going to happen on scene on camera for a really long time. I'm sure yeah. drugs were not portrayed like that for until now. We it'd be fine, but yeah, back then, definitely not in the 80s. Yeah, I love it. I think it's great. What? It's just such a good feminist movie, and it's so funny. And and this the Lily Tomlin Snow White scene is very good. That whole thing that really made me real laugh. weird. That was kind of I felt like a little bit drug induced, also. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Like the Cinderella castle. Because what was it that they were all imagining what they would do? If they <laughs> yeah. were... Is that what that was? They were imagining yeah. what they would yeah. do if they were How the they boss? would kill him. Or how they would mm. kill him, yeah. yeah. I love it. <laughs> and then it's just accidental that she puts rat poison in his coffee cup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love it. I think it's great. It's a great theme song. It's a lot of fun. It's great. Dolly is great. Dolly I love Fonda. Jane Fonda too. Like I'm such a huge fan of Jane Fonda. I just can't get enough of her. She's so funny and so good. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's she is like, so good. whatever. <laughs> no, I <laughs> We're um, done talking about working girl. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> my other family connection to Jane Fonda is that Ooh. my my Does my it involve a ferry? No, it doesn't. But oh. my mum's workout regime in the 80s to 90s was Jane Fonda's new workout. Absolutely. Oh, that was, was that so, like the first workout video? Sort mm-hmm. of I think it was, was she was like the first celeb workout yep. star, wow. I think. Yeah. And I think she was massive in the 80s for doing that, wasn't she? Huge. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Judith had the VHS, and uh, you know, I would periodically be evicted from the living room so that she could <laughs> she could do her Jane Fonda new workout. I mean, it was like Excellent the height advice. of, yeah, I mean, Jane Fonda workout was massive, massive. And she wore those, it was like the, that that time when they wore like a leotard and yeah. like and, and hose. Like you worked out yes. in like pantyhose. And a bonnet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but doesn't Lily Tomlin kind of make a comment about her hat and stuff? Well, I don't know. I didn't yeah. know whether it was supposed to be a joke or. <laughs> I think they do because she's kind of, yeah, she's just obviously like not been in the working world like ever. And she's clearly a bit square. Doesn't she say, oh, we'll need extra locker space for that hat? Yeah, she does. <laughs> she <funny>. does. <laughs> 
I think she's the funniest of the three, Lily. Oh, yes, I agree. She's great. I love her retorts to, you know, there's that really, um, that that really annoying supervisor. Roz. Roz, who kisses up to the boss. I love um, all of uh, Violet's retorts to her. Oh, I know exactly where to stick it. Yeah, that was good. And yeah. Ross so sends her a memo and Violet says, oh, yeah, I tore right through it. And like, <laughs> it was, it was it's just delicious. Cute. It really made me laugh. So good. <laughs> uh, I just, yeah, I love her because she's just, she also like doesn't give a shit. She's been around and she just kind of like doesn't listen to anybody or like do anything. And it's just, you know, once you've been in a job like for a long time, you just kind of yeah. don't care anymore. And she's yeah, so she's that way. She's also really cool because like, isn't it that she's, I don't know, I think she's also divorced or something because she's when you see her in some scenes at home with her son she's like in the garage and working and doing home improvements and diy and stuff and i think maybe she's also like a independent you know she's kind of raising her son on her own kind of thing yeah yeah have you I seen that? Um, what was it? Is it Frankie and Grace? Because that's Jane Fonda. And I did Tommy watch Tomlin. some of Is it. it, it was, I I don't know if I didn't give it quite enough chance, but it's it's like an old people comedy. So oh, okay. there's part of it that I don't think quite fits for. Is the it age Golden group. Girls territory? No, it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. Golden Girls is just perfect. No. Um, it, it had some funny moments, but like it didn't keep me watching. It also, it takes a lot to keep me watching. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, it takes it takes Sandra Bullock in a TV it, well, of that girl. will yeah. keep me watching. I, You've got three it, months worth of episodes to watch now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to keep me going for the rest of the pandemic. <laughs> I think um, Jane Fonda was in more recently in, um, I have a family connection to her as well. She was in a, a show called The Newsroom a few years ago which was um so joe you like the west wing west wing yeah that one. so okay it, it's it's well, not, not a no it's not a spin-off but it's another aaron sorkin show and she plays the kind of um owner of the news network and she's this real kind of yeah like powerful ball buster kind of she's great she's so good hmm. um yeah i love her i think she's great I'll watch her in anything. Was she in that one with Diane Keaton at that like old ladies comedy that came out recently that was so good? The, I think book, club. the book club. I <laughs> fucking love. I fucking love that. I haven't seen that. Oh, Joe. Oh, my God. How can you not I would like to. I would like to. She is. It's is Diane she? Keaton, Jane Fonda, Candace Bergen, and Mary, St- um, whatever her name is, Steenbergen. It's Steenbergen, like, yeah. they're so good. It's so good. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's the kind of movie that you look at it and you're like, that's going to be lame. And it's just fucking perfect. It's perfect <laughs> in every way. Uh, let me forget. Go yes. On. Sorry. Um, I think it's that movie is like the, the golden years of this movie. Um, Monster in Law with J-Lo. <gasps> great. Fantastic movie. Fucking great. <laughs> I need to rewatch that, actually. Fucking it's great very movie. Very strong. Yeah. I agree. I don't think Jane Fonda doesn't go wrong. She's so good. Let's do forget it's monster in law. Brilliant. Yeah, that was quote of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this is why we have Tom Stainer on. Yeah, exactly. Your film knowledge is pretty impressive. I have yeah, to say. where did you get that from, Tom? I mean, I, I, you know what though? I don't really have any film knowledge. I, you know, I, I, I know a lot about quite just patently untrue films that I've watched. Um, 
you know, I, you know, I keep quiet when you're discussing any, any proper films such as The Graduate, which I have not seen. You know, well, yeah, I'm keeping um, quiet on that as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Joe's made me watch some very worthy films that I hadn't seen before for this podcast. So, yeah, Graduate's great. It's funny. It's good. I have seen The Graduate, to be fair, but yeah. Um, Book club though, Joe. It's probably not book club funny. It's not, or something's got to give funny, or Diane Keaton funny. Nothing can match Diane Keaton. Let's just start there. (laughs) I don't Um, love Diane Keaton. Oh no, you're not invited back. Get out. (laughs) Podcast is over. Near the end. (laughs) What's your beef with Diane Keaton? I think she's a bit annoying. That's she awful, is. isn't that's it? Her, no, that's her, that's her little kooky. persona. Yeah. She's so kooky. kooky. I don't really do kooky very well. It's just... <laughs> it's totally just, sorry. I just don't... <gasps> I don't like kooky. I don't like whimsical. I don't like any of this. You know, it's just not... So what would you call Melanie Griffith in Working Girl? What would be her adjective? That's such a good question. And what would Thank Dolly you. Parton's adjective in 9 to 5 be? Spunky. <laughs> wow <laughs> I'm going to snort that's perfect yes. <laughs> um, what would I don't know how would we describe Melanie Griffith in Working Girl isn't it a shame that she never really kind of reached those heights again because she's really good in it, isn't she? She didn't. What I mean, she, she been had, in? She had her day, but yeah, she's. She was in Pacific Heights, <laughs> which is a really crap. I don't think I saw thriller. that. She did a few. Oh, it's I on just... Channel Four every now and then. Oh, I just looked up her um her Wikipedia page, and my oh my, she's had some work done. Um, what was she in after? Can oh working God, girl? Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Hot in Cleveland. Oh, Milk Money. Um, I saw that. Mulholland Falls, Lolita. But, you know, she's from um, she's from a real acting dynasty because her mother is Tippi Hedren. Yeah. And her daughter is, her daughter is Dakota, what's her name, Dakota Johnson, who's in mm. um, all the Fifty Shades films. So there's something going on there. Um, I mean, she was in Stuart but... Little, too. Yeah, which also has a great theme song by Celine Dion. I'm alive. No, it do- no, you don't know it the does. themes. No, it that's does. you've just made that up. That's you it's cannot. Stuart Little too. How can you know that? Stuart Little too has a song. Yeah, Celine Dion does the theme song. Oh, Stainer! I'm just, just fact checking that. I I've just I've just entered another. <laughs> Something has happened. I don't know. How do you... Yeah, that's amazing. Melanie Griffith has oh, yeah, not... I'm right. You're right? Well, I'm not surprised. What's the name of the yeah. song? It's I'm Alive. <laughs> I remember vividly because the video is like clips of Celine performing interspersed with shots of Stuart Little. So it's quite memorable, really. Um, pretty memorable. To so be fair. hang on. This is really setting on. What is the film music of Stuart Little 1? Is there a hit song there? I don't know because I actually haven't seen any of the Stuart Little canon, <laughs> if I'm being honest. So, you just know the songs without... Hang on. Well, I'm a big Celine Dion fan, so okay. it's more an interesting Celine. Hang on. Did you guys know that the screenplay for Stuart Little was <laughs> written by M. Night Shyamalan? <laughs> did you know that? What the hell? I did not know that. Like, what the fuck? 
Oh, my, um... <laughs> Can I actually got off? <laughs> We've gone, I, I've, yeah, I don't know what's happening now. I feel like the world has imploded on itself today, yeah. tonight, in this. Um, do you have any final thoughts on this? I mean, this is a hard movie yeah. to kind of take. There's not a lot of plot holes. I did look up the 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 rat poison company and the <laughs> the sweetener po- company. These are fake, but they have a real cult following on in the world. <laughs> so yeah, it's like kind of a big deal. Skinny and sweet and uh, rid o rat. Um, I also think there's a point kind of where it turns a little bit into Home Alone. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know where they're kind of like where there's a lot of especially when he's kind of locked up in the house and the yeah there's stuff happening there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Any final thoughts on this? It's I, I just loved it. I it. thought it was lovely. Yeah, I it was funny. It's funny. I thought it was really funny and not at all what I was expecting. No, I think I was expecting something along the lines of Steel Magnolias. Mm. Yeah. Um, I thought it would might be some kind of romantic comedy with a workplace setting, and it isn't at all. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's um it's quite surprising and it's I think it's a bit of a hidden gem in the mm-hmm. the part in canon. But mm. um <laughs> great He's, canon is getting a Well you got canon going and now I just can't I can't deal with it. I'm just lost. Um <laughs> oh, cool. Wow. Well, thanks, Tom. Will you come again? Uh. <laughs> Oh no! Oh, I don't think so. I think we're done. You know, I think I don't want to. I don't want to tempt fate. You know, can I? Yeah, yeah, of course I will. But I just don't know what we would do next. Ferries. That was. Okay, we could try ferries. What would we do? (gasps) Can we do speed two cruise control? Oh, wait, is that a ferry? No. Yeah. Well, it's kind of Can a boat. Just, what about just vessels? Vessels. Vessels yeah. is a great thing. There's so much options for that. Oh my god. We, we're we gonna have to narrow it down. Speed two cruise control. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Speed itself is one of my favorite films. I love mm. speed. It's so good. Another bullock. You are f- yeah. yeah, you are full of <laughs> all sorts of unexpected surprises. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I will expect my um, my invite to appear again invite. to arrive in about in about two years. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. About that, yeah. <laughs> um, this Thank you very much. has been really fun. Thanks for and having me. It's always yeah. absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's good to to chat about movies with you. I, you say you don't know a lot about movies, but you do. Like your mm. knowledge is pretty like insane. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's niche, but insane. And yeah, every time we talk about it, I'm like, dude, you know a lot more than me about most of things. Like oh, offhand Oscar facts. I can't speak now. So it's obviously well, I time. Do, I love Oscar's trivia. So that. Mm. Yeah, fun. you're the master of that. You really love it. Love it. Especially yeah. best actress Oscar's trivia. It's Maybe we should yeah. do some kind of special one off. I would love to do at some point like a, a, a YouTube live or something like that where we go on and just like talk to people and have a whole discussion. It'd be a lot of fun. Just go on rabbit trails and talk, but we'll see if we can get that going. Um, I don't know. I guess that's it. I don't know. What, what song are we going to uh, flow Searching out to? Searching through Catherine's house. Yes, searching through Catherine's house. It's, I will. It's uh, it's, it's looking. Oh, looking. House. Pardon me. Pardon Sorry. me. Looking through Catherine's house. I will try to get. If not, I will get the fingernail clacking from nine to five. I think anyway. we know you're going to go with the fingernail clacking. 
<laughs> if that's... it depends on what I can find and what's available online to be purchased. <laughs> That's what it is. Anyway, thank you for listening. Um, we're at Plot, Hole, Plot Holes Pod on Twitter, and you can find us on SoundCloud. And on you've obviously found us because you're listening, so I'm not going to tell you where to get us. Um, that's it. I'm going to stop talking now. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>